What's going on, guys? Welcome back. Clocks on the Stove, episode 116. We got a little this sports pod. This is a sports pod. We got a bunch of different topics. Uh, not too many. It's a sports pod. Mostly football, but sports pod. Um, usual host, myself, Grace Fisher, with me. Actually in Tampa, Mr. Zachary Watts. Yes, in my uh, mother's house, uh, in my own room. I still have my own room. So I am welcomed here. Um, I haven't been kicked to the curb yet. 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 But um, I, I do pay rent from time to time. Not not now, though. Or not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, let's dive on into this NFL. Zach, I don't know if you want to start us off with this, but the Broncos are benching Russell Wilson going into this week. Yeah, so essentially the reports that came out were the Broncos pretty much took Russell Wilson aside and they told him, hey, you need to restructure your contract or you're not going to play another game. And personally, like, look, I get it from the Broncos side of things. Like, you are in probably one of the worst cap situations given his contract. With Wait, real quick, though, explain what they want changed in the contract. I don't think they've specified or I haven't seen what it. I saw... Was he got – don't – look this up to support me, but it's either injury or doesn't play, still gets paid. It's something like that, and they want that removed. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's something where he's not playing in the game, but he's still getting paid for it. I don't know if it's injury clause or it's – I don't know what the clause was, but that's what it was. And usually in the NFL, you get paid per game. You get a paycheck at, after the game. That's how yeah. they usually do it. But in his contract, it was even if he didn't play that game, for whatever the reason was in the contract, I can't remember, he still got paid for that game. Yeah. And, look, I'm just going to speak on Russell Wilson, uh, the player in this scenario, because I can't view this from a business standpoint. But if I was Russell Wilson, I would flick the double bird so far up the Broncos organization's ass because it's not their fault that they paid that much for him. Like, it's not your job as a player to be like, hey, I think I'm worth this much, so you're going to pay me that much. And, oh, by the way, if I don't reach those expectations, uh, I'm just going to not take my money. Like, obviously, like morally as a person or like if he got paid as in commission, that would reflect that. But his old job as with his agent and as a player is to earn the most money as possible for not only himself, but for his family. So the fact that they are trying to use his playing time as a leverage for him to rework his contract so that they can have enough money to do what they want to do is complete BS. That should not fall on his shoulders. Obviously they didn't get the Russell Wilson they thought they would get in Seattle. He's obviously diminished since then. And I think we all know this is probably going to go down as one of the worst trades that has ever occurred in NFL history. Bar none, because Seattle's looking just fine with what they've got, and they look to build, whereas the Broncos are in kind of this limbo effect where I can't tell if they're good one week or bad or the other. Really doesn't matter. They're not a good team or great team, in my opinion. But, you know, obviously he said no, and now they're pretty much telling him, like, hey, we're benching you for the rest of the year, and we're going to cut you. Okay, fine with me. You think another team won't pick him up and just take him on less money? Because the Broncos still have to pay out his contract. So... To, for him, it's honestly, I don't see the loss in it. As a player, obviously, he wants to give his all to the game for whatever time he has left. He loves the game of football. There's a reason he is in the National Football League. I doubt there's anyone in any professional sport that doesn't love what they do, probably other than Nikola Jokic, because that man only talks about horseback riding when he's not um, playing basketball. 
But other than that, if you're in a professional sport, you love doing what you do. So obviously Russell's going to want to play just probably not for the Broncos anymore. Cause the way they've treated the whole situation is a bit of a joke. In my opinion, I think it's a sad excuse for a franchise for the way they've handled things, but you know, I can get it from the business point of view where like you're trying to keep money in your pocket. You're trying to rebuild your team and he's part of the, he's part of the problem, but it's not Russell's problem that he's a part of the problem. It's more so like, Hey, I'm only as good as I'm going to be. Like you paid me to be Patrick Mahomes and I'm not, I'm not sorry. Like it is what it is. So that's kind of how I see the situation. I think the Broncos have royally screwed themselves and now there's very little room to work around it. They just have to accept the consequences of their actions. Yeah. So the first thing I look at is I look at the performance of this season from Russ. It's not that bad. Now, is it what he should be doing? Absolutely not. But let's be completely honest, Zach. He's not the reason they're not good this year. He's played decent. Like he's, he's, excuse me. He's played decent. He's not the reason. And, and honestly, they even went on that like, little mid mid slash beginning of the end of the season little run, you know? Um, he's not the reason that they're bad. The other thing is, like you said, if you're Russ, your job is to get paid the most amount of money possible. And I remember when I was in high school and I just started the recruiting process my junior year. I think it was maybe – yeah, yeah. It was like the summer going into my junior year, school started reaching out to me for wrestling for the first time. And my one of my coaches was like, you need to fight for the highest number you guys can get from schools because there's this weird battle where it's like you want to go there, they want you to go there, but they want to hit you with the lowest number possible and you're trying to get the highest number possible and you're trying to meet in the middle. It's the same thing with Russ. Why the hell would Russ go in and be like, I know I'm worth this, but I'll take this. No, 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 no. It's not how that works, bro. You, it, It's a business. And what from what we've seen with sports this year, in particularly with football and college football, they're business first. They're not sports first. So go get your bag, bro. And the other thing, the Broncos shouldn't have signed a 33-year-old Russell Wilson to a six-year deal. Dude, like what? That doesn't even make sense. Even his last two seasons in Seattle, he didn't look great. He didn't look bad like he is now, but it wasn't like he didn't look spectacular, you know? Um, what's it called? I, they shouldn't have signed him to the amount of money they signed him. That's my opinion, off for, off rip. They should have started small, and then if he earned it, or do more. But I don't think he should have. I, I don't think – if I'm Russ, I'm doing exactly like you said. I'm sitting on the bench, and I'm just going to sit in my mansion in Colorado with my millions of dollars. Yep, I agree. And since we brought it up, I kind of want to jump over to this since it kind of rolls into it perfectly. You know, earning your worth or earning the highest dollar amount you can. I think the NCAA football as a whole is experiencing that with NIL and Transfer Portal. So for those of you that don't know, the Transfer Portal opens up right after the end of the regular season and the transfer portal closes right after bowl season. So your window of opportunity from hopping into the portal, finding a place that's going to pay you good more money or finding a place you want to go is very slim. Obviously as a student and a player to a university that you committed to, whatever your reason may be, you would want to stay committed to that university and give all you can to them. However, and I spoke about this on a talk I made on, um, uh, yesterday but 
it's so unfair how many players are getting thrown under the bus for saying like, oh, they're not committed to the game or, oh, they don't love what they do or they're disloyal. They don't give anything. I don't think that's the case at all. You got to remember, this isn't NCA isn't amateurism anymore. This is full fledged professionalism. They get paid for what they do. And to tell a player, hey, you know, you have to play in your bowl game and risk getting injured and you won't earn any extra money from playing in that bowl game instead of. A, opting out early and testing the waters of the transfer portal and finding a school at the time which has more resources at the beginning than they will at the end. Because, hey, if you do play your bowl game and then you decide to opt out and go to the transfer portal, you know how many days you have if you play in a New Year's Six bowl game? Like three, One. right? Yeah. Portal closes January 2nd. January 2nd. If you think that is ample time to not only sit and talk with a bunch of schools and find a correct paying price for you to go play college football somewhere elsewhere, you are pretty much screwing yourself for life. So I have now, look, I used to be a traditionalist for college football. I always thought sitting out of bowl games was done. You know, you had already committed to playing college football, like for that school, for that university, you know, go earn that bowl game title or whatever. But I have this whole different perspective now on what bowl games actually are. And it's, boil down to this is simply just a pay-to-play system for entertainment purposes it's literally just earning viewership uh numbers so that in return tv brands and channels can earn money from your bowl games from viewership and in return based off your viewership numbers they will continue to sign you to tv deals and contracts that in return can earn your players enough nil money to keep recruits going there where in that formula do the players benefit at all from that? Other than the fact that in the in the long term, sure, the school can end up paying more for their players, but it doesn't do anything for them like personally. Like, it doesn't help them to play in a bowl game if number one, your draft stock's already secured. So if anything, you're just gonna get hurt and not not end up getting drafted as high as you want to be. So now you're risking, you're putting that risk out there for yourself. And number two, you can't transfer to any of the school you want to because guess what? While you were busy prepping for your bowl game and playing for your team, guess what? Some school that would have loved to have you out there would have settled for a quarterback for a little bit less because, number one, they don't have to pay him as much money. And number two, they were available to sit down and talk to the kid. They can get him right so away, too. They can, get him, they can get him right away. They can put him in the system and start practicing with the team. So, for me, I don't know how you fix this. I don't know where you go from here because right now it just seems like every year, based off how your team's success is – Dude, if you're not playing in a New York Six Bowl game or if you didn't have a positive record, number one, all your kids are transferring out because they're just going to go somewhere else where they can earn more money. And number two, you better pray to God your high school class dominated. You better pray you got an incoming class that is going to dominate. Because if not, good luck. Good luck. Yeah, it's weird. I do think that there is still some legacy to it. Um, I think for the seniors, you know, kids that never played in a bowl game, like USF, those seniors, they never played in a bowl game until that year, you know? So for them to be able to win 45-0 and play in a bowl game, like there are small wins to it, but it's not as important as it should be. And I know Kirk Herbstreit talked about this, I think it was like two years ago, where it was like, if you played in the Rose Bowl, you know, in 20 years ago, regardless of if it was the national championship or a college football playoff game or not, it was like an honor to play in the Rose Bowl. Like it was a really big deal. Now 
you look at the Orange Bowl, which should be the same caliber of a deal, has 40 guys not playing in it between two teams. You know, so it's like the importance is gone. I think we talked about it last year. I think one way that you can recover that is instead of six and six teams go to bowl games, you make it seven and five. That'll never happen because that's less teams, which means less money for the NCAA, and that'll just never happen. The other thing is, too, Zach, is, you know, going off of this, like, little trend we have of business first, dude, there's not a single bowl game that has the bowl game name first. It's the Capital One Orange Bowl. It's the – this. The, it's, like, I saw something like the Tax Slayer this bowl. Um, one of them Reli- was like the ReliQuest Military Bowl. That's what I'm saying. It's no longer the bowl game. All these bowl games are a sponsored Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, Wasabi Fenway Bowl, Pop Tarts Bowl. Okay, the Valero Alamo Bowl, like Cricket Celebration Bowl. Everything has an ad now. That's the name, you know. And that's just to show you the the importance. Fourteen ten Rutgers on Miami at half. By the way, that just shows you the importance to them and the importance is money and it's it's really hard for me to be the traditionalist that i was as a kid where i was like you know you play in your bowl game blah blah but why is it okay for the corporations and the the ncaa entity and the schools to make the money and then you know we're not going to put Florida state in the championship game but we're still gonna make money but the players do it and it's like they're bad kids you know yeah. the older i get the more I start to like understand why kids sit out of bowl games. Yeah. Obviously I would prefer they played, but at the same time, it goes back with our, our concept of you should wait a year. If you transfer, well, coaches don't have to wait a year. If they transfer, if a coach goes to a new job, he starts that the next day he's recruiting, you know? So it's like, it's really, it is a double-edged sword. In my opinion, it's a double-edged sword. I think the issue with the NIL, they should have never started with no cap. That is the dumbest thing. How do you go from zero to whatever you want? Um, but I think it's one of those things where you don't enjoy, but you have to hop on or get forgotten, you know, and you're seeing that with Dabo. You're seeing it, um, I guess, a little bit with Saban, maybe. Uh, you see it with Lincoln Riley, where it's like these guys aren't adapting well to the transfer portal in the NIL. That's just, um, that's just what on, my hot take on that, or my take on that. Yeah. You know, when do you think we're going to get to the point where players are going to have to have their advertising said before their name? Dude, you you can look on some of, like, high school recruiting classes, like Clemson's recruiting class, and it has from 1 to 10, like, or 1 to 100, they're, like, like, their importance of of, uh, NIL or, like, how much money they bring in on NIL. Some of the schools has the freaking number that their estimated NIL value is. Yeah. Like, just – like, could you imagine a player makes the play and before before they like announce their name, they got to be like brought to you by Sony, Jared Verse with the shot, <laughs> or like a fighter's walking to the octagon and he's just like Tostitos Fiestos Fighter of the Year, um, Frito Lay's uh, partner sponsorship, Tony Ferguson. Yeah, no, that's that's it's that's it's funny, but that's basically what they're doing. By the way, by the way, if I had to pick a sponsorship for my like walkout. Like instead of nicknames, they did like your sponsorship. They better call me Zach the Little Debbie Watts, and I'm just gonna walk out with like all the Little Debbie snacks. I'm just gonna throw them out to the crowd. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'd want to be like a candy, like Kit Kat. Yeah, you gotta walk out with Kit Kats and just yeah, yeah, and I'm breaking them in half when I'm walking out. <laughs> in the press conference, you gotta say cringy one-liners. You're like, I'm gonna like a twig. I'm gonna snap this guy in half. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's funny. But um, let's get back to the NFL news. Joe Flacco, Zach. Mm, Joe yes. Flacco. I have seen some hilarious memes about Joe Flacco and the Browns. But before we get to the memes, let's get to the reality. He's balling out. He's elite. Joe Flacco is elite. No, I think people need to understand this. And I saw a tweet about this and it made me die laughing. It was like, they're like, how the hell did Joe Flacco, age 38, come off his couch and just start slinging it? And they're like, dude, this guy practiced against Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. These safeties are sweet to him. Yeah, like, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. This dude rolls out of bed and just going out there. And like, it, it's honestly, it's old school football playing today. He just throws that bitch up 90% of the time. He does not care. He's like, ah, Mark Cooper down there somewhere. Yeah, but I think part of that helps to his success. Yes. Not overthinking everything. He's just like, all right, guys, fast, throw the ball. Like, you know, it's yeah. just like old school logic. Yeah. And like back then when he played, like, and by the way, well, I, like we'll touch on this in a later segment because I didn't add it in. Joe Flacco not only is a Super Bowl champion, was a great game manager. Yeah. And I think people like people got on Cam Newton a ton of a ton about this because he called like Brock Purdy or uh what, what are they what are, what are they nicknaming Brock Purdy now? Cock Turdy. I haven't <laughs> seen that. It's so funny, dude. I get, every time I see it, I start die laughing. But um, I'm not a I'm not a Brock Purdy hater. Um, I'm a big fan of the kid. Yeah, but regardless, regardless, being a game manager is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I will play. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Now, what I people what I think people need to understand is though is there's a difference between being a game manager and a field general. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning field generals the game works through them kind of how cam newton said there's a truck and a trailer if you're a truck you're a field general you like you pull the team along with you if you're a trailer your weapons pull you but you're still an important part of the payload and you still have to be really good at football yes you so here's the thing about game managers you still have to make the right play at the right time not a lot of game managers can do that there's a lot of really shitty game managers out there. The thing is, right now, Joe Flacco had about a couple years where he wasn't a good game manager, and that's why he wasn't in job in a job for a while. But the Browns were at a perfect point in time, which, by the way, this is the most opposite thing to ever happen to the Browns in yeah. ever, because usually the Browns get a quarterback and they turn into the second coming of Satan for their franchise. And somehow they stumbled upon Joe Flacco's 38-year-old ass who's trying to give his son's baseball lessons and his kids are like, shut up, dad, you sucked. And he's like, dude, I want a Super Bowl, dude. Fuck you. Like, what, he, won what did MVP, you he won MVP of that Super Bowl, too. Yeah, he's like, dude, I want Super Bowl MVP. What, what did you do, you little six-year-old little shit? <laughs> regardless, Joe Flacco is balling, and I love it for him. The Broncos are still in – or Broncos. The Browns are still in a running for not only winning their division but hosting a playoff game. And I'm going to be honest, I would not want to run into the Browns right now. You know who else I wouldn't want to run into? I wouldn't want to run into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers either. Mm. I saw mm. a funny meme. You know uh, Joe Flacco won the MVP? Did he win the MVP? Yeah, he won the MVP. And Baker won MVP too because I saw his video. Somebody, uh, somebody like, quote tweeted the Browns account. is like, aren't y'all happy now that you have a quarterback that can be around children? <laughs> Dude, I was just. <laughs> I was just watching The Hangover last night when uh, uh, I, 
I forget Zach, Zach Galifianakis' character, but they like pull over next to a school to pick up um, Stu or whatever, uh, Bradley Cooper from because he's a school teacher or whatever, and they go to pick him up. He goes, dude, did you really have to park here? He's like, dude, what's the issue? He's like, I'm not supposed to be 200 feet within a school or a Chuck E. Cheese. He's like, what the hell did you do? He's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just saying. <clears throat> yeah, that um, back to the Joe Flacco thing. I saw something that was like QB health as well. Have you seen that? No. And four, four of the top five teams in the AFC are the only teams left with their starting quarterback for the start of the season. And it's like QB health as well. And the only other one that is up there is the Browns. Well, I'll say this. The best regular season team is usually just the best talented squad, but isn't built. Yeah, it isn't built for the Super Bowl. It's usually like injuries happen in the playoffs. We saw last year with the 49ers. The only reason the 49ers didn't make it to the Super Bowl is because they were on their fourth string quarterback. Yeah, who was in who was their quarterback? It was um Jawan Johnson. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a dude that was like a wide receiver turned QB. And then they were like, oh my God, just please give us our third stringer back. Like we can totally win this. They're just like, nah. Like the Bron like honestly, I keep saying the Broncos. The 49ers, like Sam Darnold's their backup. I feel like the 49ers could still find a way to yeah, win. Yeah, that's not that's not a horrible. That's not a horrible. I mean, it's not great, but it's not horrible. Yeah, I mean, nah. former NFL starter. Yeah, I think the greatest job on earth is being a backup quarterback in the NFL because if you suck, it's not like, right now. The greatest job on earth is Russell Wilson is is to get fired and get paid millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yes, this is indeed true. This is indeed true. Speaking but, of that, Zach, what? Who do you think is our NFL MVP? I have two names. I have Christian McCaffrey and I have Tyreek Hill. No Lamar. Lamar is up there, but the only reason I brought up those two names is because I think personally, now, this is just me. This is just me speaking. This is my belief. Baseball, baseball does it the best way possible. You have your MVP and you have your Cy Young. The Cy Young is a completely separate category reserved just for pitchers. Yeah. Just for pitchers. The NFL needs to have an award for the best quarterback and keep that separate from the MVP. Because what they've done is, is they went backwards on it. And instead they said, oh, the MVP will be the quarterback award and the offensive player of the year will be just the best offensive player. That Why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? Because if you look at the stats... If you want to say Lamar is the MVP front runner, Baker has what eight hundred more yards, four more touchdowns. This is where this is where I'm a little <clears throat> where team success comes into the play. Yes, and also rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. Lamar has destroyed Baker in that aspect too. But they only look at the throwing now. Yeah. Do I think stats are extremely vital? Yes. I'm not even saying I think Lamar should win. The MVP. I, I'm a Lamar fan, but I'm, that's not the point I'm trying to make here. The point I'm trying to make is to be the most valuable player, Zach, and this is something you talked about with the Heisman, is that if you took that guy off that team, they would not be the same. And if you took Lamar Jackson off of the Ravens, they are not the 11-3 and team they are right now. Now, I don't think the Bucks would – I don't know. I don't know, actually, with the Bucks. Do I think Baker's doing great? Yes. Do I think there's other guys that could have done that? Yes. I don't think there's another guy that could be plugged in to the Ravens and do what the Ravens are doing with Lamar. By the way, by the way, just 
so you said that about the rushing and the rushing touchdowns. Baker still has more total yards and more total touchdowns. Rushing, like, or combined? Combined all stats. Baker would still have 100 more total yards because he still has more passing yards even with Lamar's – because Lamar only has 786 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns. Yeah, so Baker would still have more total stats, but continue with what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I just, what I meant to say is, is, is when you people post the stats, they never post Lamar's rushing shit too, which, and you can't deny the fact that his feet is a big reason to where he's at too. Yeah. Um, but I do think team success, that, that that's what I'm going to know. I do think that the Ravens being what the number one team in the AFC right now, right? Yes. yes. That's a lot different than, than still hunting for a playoff spot. If you're the Bucks. now the Bucks, well, I'm not discrediting the Bucks and the, they're probably going to win the division. But it's like the Ravens right now are being talked about as the number one team in the NFL. Nobody's saying that about the Bucs. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> yeah, that's the difference I'm trying to make. Yeah, which is fair. Like, I do think the MVP and, like, the high-ending awards should go to guys that are on winning teams or playoff-caliber teams. Unless they just have, like, a freak year. Yeah, unless, like, literally, like – you are so dominant for your team that you may be the only reason you even got a win or like two. Calvin Johnson on the Detroit Lions almost. Yes. Yes. Which by the way, it's crazy to me how Matthew Stafford has been a part of like every like statistical great wide receiver season. Like Calvin Johnson, he was there for Cooper Cup, he was there. And now Puka Nakua, who's gonna break all the rookie records. He's been AKA like, he stared down his first receiver. <laughs> Long story short, Matthew Stafford stares down a receiver. Yes, essentially. But it works. It works. If you can get the throw off, it works. Ten, you win Super Bowl, brother. Who gives a shit what two guys in the podcast say? Yes. And speaking of NFL awards, um, I think it's about time we brought up the talk of the comeback player of the year award. Now, look. We all know where we're going with this, so we just need to get out of the way. Let's just address the elephant in the room. Yeah, um, or uh, the ambulance in the room, I should say. Uh, Damar Hamlin, love the story. Great. Dude, honestly, one of the wildest things and most heroic things we'll ever see in our lives. Yes. However... His stats are not comeback player of the year worthy. He has two tackles. He has two tackles. His whole stats and what were week 18 of the season, week 17 of the season? Yeah. I, and he has two tackles. And you think he's actually he's actually played worse than he did last year. You know, and, and the thing is, it goes back to what we talked about this whole pod, it seems like. Business is first. Yeah. And Damar Hamlin leading the votes right now, or what he's leading the odds. Is because that story sells a shit ton. Well, I, like we say it sells a shit ton, but I don't know anyone ever that has bought a Demar Hamlin jersey. I agree, but that story will be will be huge. It'll be covered on every platform. All I'm saying is, I'm still not gonna buy a Demar Hamlin jersey. Yeah, me neither. And. That being said, if we're just talking about that's a that's a that's a uh, outside factor. If we're just talking purely on the play of football, Demar Hamlin is not the comeback player of the year. Yeah, because like here's the problem. Here's the problem is there's a lot of 
animosity for what awards represent. So let's look up what exactly the comeback player of the year award and the NFL is because I can I can assume what it is in other things. Yes. Okay, we're just gonna check the Wikipedia. Not the most trusted source, but hey, you know it. We we got to do what we got to do. Is a player who overcomes adversity to return to remarkable performance in the form of not being in the NFL the previous year, a severe injury, or simply poor performance. There's a key part of that that I want to repeat. Return to remarkable performance. Can you say without without a questionable doubt that this man returned to remarkable performance given his injury? Here's two tackles. Zach, do you think you could get two tackles in an NFL season? No. What? You don't think you get two tackles? I would get blown up. Brother, if if there's a pile that you jump on before it gets called a tackle, that's half a tackle. Are you sure? Yeah, if you share a tackle with somebody, it's half a tackle. That's um, why you see like nine point five tackles for losses. Like how it's because they shared the tackle with somebody. So as long as you played, like as long as Levante David lights them up and you can just like grab their ankle when they're falling, that's half a tackle. Brother, I think the only chance I got in hell is if, like, a dude trips on a wide receiver screen and I just, like... <laughs> you, t- you touch him when he's on the ground? I nut tap him. I'm just like, oh, here you go, buddy. Like, that, that, that's the only tackle. You think, you think it's harder to get two tackles in the NFL or score two buckets in, in, in the NBA? That might be a talk. See, the problem with the NFL one is, like, in basketball, at least, like, you can get force-fed the ball to at least yeah, put the shot Yeah, up. you can't force a tackle. You're going to get killed. Yeah, you can't. You can't. If a team is like, hey, we're running the ball at you, I'd be terrified that a guard is going <laughs> yeah. to guard and literally bury me in the face of the earth. Like, I don't want them to tell me that the play's coming my way. I would much rather just be like, oh, shit. Like, let me just accidentally just scream. All right, Zach, they're running it straight up the middle. We're just blitzing you. We're lining you up at Mike. You just got to meet Derrick Henry at the line. Yeah, you got to meet him there. I'm going to be like. I would rather fight a guard in a cage than go head up with a pulling guard in the NFL. Yeah. Because then just. Oh, my gosh. That would suck. Yeah, no. Not. I'm not built for that, per se. Not at all. Not Dude, we might die. Like Might? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be I'd have some broken bones. I'd have some broken bones for oh, yeah, let's um let's move on from this real quick. Who would you give your comeback player of the year to though? I've been saying it all pot. I'm gonna say it again. Baker Mayfield is playing like a top ten quarterback in the NFL right now. Would you not uh would you not sprinkle some Joe Flacco in there? See, I don't like saying this, but I do think it's important. I think Flacco's ability to win the award comes down to playoff performance. When uh, this is just a bad journalist question, per, or they do awards after playoffs, yes? I think it's I think it's right before the Super Bowl. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so if Flacco is able to win a win a playoff game, and he goes on a tear. Yeah, but it's the longevity that I think is what leans in Baker's favor. Because yeah. Baker, dude, literally kicked out of the Browns, 
short stint in Carolina. And yeah, but there's some like I understand his stats are good, but like there's also sometimes I've watched him and I'm like, bro, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, last four games though, tearing it up. Money, money. When I went to the game versus the Lions, he—I don't think he made one decent throw. I think he had one that he like chucked up, and Mike Evans freaked somebody. Yeah, but happens, man. Game—the game is not easy. It is indeed not easy. So, for me, I'm more inclined to give it to Baker just because of his old story of like not being wanted by teams. Buck signed him for like what one year, six million dollars. Yeah, so like, I think he's what the 49th highest paid quarterback in the NFL. I think he was literally just like, "Give me a chance." Yeah, just, he was like, he's like one of the lowest paid in the NFL. Yeah, he was literally just like, "Please, just give me a chance." Let's be really honest, though, six million still pretty freaking good. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, but yeah. if you look at like, but in comparison, it's bad. Yes, but like, yeah, like I'd I was be okay with getting making six million. I'd be okay with making six hundred thousand a year. Yeah, because I was talking to someone about this the other day, like the bucks are most likely going to have to extend Baker, but like, what's that cap hit going to look like? Like, what are they going to sign him for? Yeah. And I, for me, I was like, what do you do? What do you, if you're, if you're in that position, what do you do? Three years, 36 million. Guaranteed. Three years, 36 million. That's 12 million a year. That's fine. And then the problem is, is the quarterback. That? That's the thing is I don't, he probably won't, but at the same time, you got to tell him, like, you got to make it aware, like, hey, we would like to pay you more, but we would also like you to be able to throw to guys like, I don't know, Mike Evans. Yeah, exactly. And I think Baker I think Baker is a team player enough yeah. to Tom Brady. Because uh, Tom Brady did a lot of that. He was never the highest paid quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I want to say something, but I feel like I can't. So I'm not going to reveal the details. But my source is, so Derek, my cousin, his barber is Mike Evans' barber. And they had a very – long talk about the future for Mike Evans. And all I'm going to say is Mike Evans getting paid regardless where he goes. So unless the bucks are going to pay up Mike yeah, Evans. I, I'm, I had this conversation with my dad. Mike Evans is a player that you keep in your franchise forever. And you never let him wear another team's Jersey. Never That's ever. My honest opinion on him. I think yeah. you throw him whatever the hell you have to throw him to keep him. What yeah. he's done. And, and he's, on a pretty damn good Hall of Fame career, you know what what he's done. You make sure that guy never wears another jersey other than the Bucks. That yeah. that's my personal opinion. Someone's that impactful to your franchise, you you keep that. You that's a Kobe. Like yes, he hasn't won the rings and stuff like that, but like I mean, in the aspect of you never want him to wear another jersey. He's got he's got a ring though. Yeah, that that honestly cemented his Hall of Fame career right there. Like just winning that one ring, like that was. I mean, obviously, I think he was gonna get in just because he's had like what. 11, 12 straight seasons of a thousand yards. Yeah. I think he, what he has the most ever consistently. Most ever. Yeah. yeah. Every year he's been in the league, thousand yards. And you got to think about the quarterbacks this dude's played with. Yeah. Yeah. He had Jameis who literally couldn't see. He actually could not see. Yeah. I mean, eat a W though. Yeah. Foggy Mike down there somewhere. Yeah. By the way, by the way, um, the Saints need to start Jameis Winston and Jameis needs to be an maybe not an analyst, but just like a media personality following his NFL career. Cause the fact that he showed up to a game with a briefcase <laughs> and was really like, he goes, you know what I got in this? You know what I got in here? He goes, I got what separates us from greatness. And he opens it up and it's empty. And he goes, nothing. He goes, there ain't nothing. 
It's kind of hard though. Like, it's hilarious. <laughs> the fact that it's Jameis kind of hard. The fact that it's Jameis makes it the funniest thing in the world. But if it was like Tom Brady, that was like, I brought the secret to success. Nothing. And then they were like, Oh my god. But Jameis does it, and it's like, all right, this dude is literally the funniest man that's ever stepped foot on a football field. And Derek Carr is like over on the sideline, about to like blow his brains out, and Jameis is next to him rapping a song. He's like, Yeah, we down thirty six. He's just like, oh my god! He's like, please. But Derek Carr going to throw some. Oh, I can't say picks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, my bad. Hey, yeah, give me a, give me a line. Give me a line. Give me a line. He's like, dude, fuck me. He's like, I'm, he's like, he's I'm like, just my family's watching this right now. <laughs> oh god. But yeah, that wraps it up for our NFL. We just talked about the NIL transfer portal. Zach, the Lincoln. You you want to talk about Lincoln Riley? You wanted to talk about. Lingerale. Yeah, look, I, I'm going to keep this short and sweet, brother. Um, Look, we have to have a talk about the failed experiment that is the Lincoln Riley Project at USC. For a guy that they signed for a lot of money to come in there, uh, number one, you just had probably one of the greatest generational prospects in Caleb Williams come out of your school. You went what? Eight and five. Eight and five. Didn't go eight and five. Caleb Williams, though, you went seven. And I want to say they had a top three recruiting class or transfer class last year too. And now that the Pac-12 is decimated, you go into a significantly harder conference, and yeah. now you're going to be playing in the Big Ten. You're be playing teams that actually play defense. Yes, for a living, there are literally teams that don't even care to play offense. They don't even do the offense part; they just do defense. Yeah, and those teams win games, brother. So. Look, I, dude, I don't know where you go because USC's in purgatory right now because they got to pay that man a lot of money. Yeah, they, they're stuck with him for at least three more years. Yeah, and I don't know what they do. I really don't know. Dude, and they lost a lot to the transfer portal this year. Malachi Nelson, who was supposed to be the literal backup to Caleb Williams, was just like, I'm out. And then they lost that the other freshman that played. He played like four positions for them. Oh, yeah. He left, too. He won Pac-12 freshman of the year, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and he left, too. But I will say this. Um, USC's freshman that played in the bowl game uh, against Louisville did well. I think he threw for Very like, well. He threw six touchdowns, yeah. Oh, he's, so he's kind of like – maybe that's why Malachi transferred because he was like, oh, shit. So like, this guy's pretty good. This guy knows how to throw a football to a receiver, man. But, yeah, um, I'll pick it back off the Lincoln Riley thing. It's crazy um, because – this is one of the few times I thought USC was doing the right move. You know, we talk about coaches' changes and we're like, that was dumb, this was dumb. We talk about that all the time. But this was one of those few that I was like, yeah, you're safe in getting Lincoln Riley. Like, you're going to just give him the greatest offense of all time and he's just going to win point. He's going he's gonna to do what Washington and Oregon did this year. That's what we thought. But that was, not, that was not the case, dude. They sucked across the board. And I know their defense sucked and they got rid of their defense coordinator, but, like, their offense didn't, like, help them. I think they were down like 14 to seven and a half against Arizona. Like where's this high electric offense you have too. And then to go into an interview and say like, you guys are just holding us to two high expectations. They gave you a fucking jet. Yeah. They have really high expectations for you. Wouldn't you, if you gave somebody a jet, they give you a $100 million contract with a $100 million home and a $500 million jet that you can use at any time of the day. 
Yeah, I would also like 10 win seasons, personally. Yeah, yeah they, they call him into the office. He's just, he's just like, sir, do you think we gave you those for six and six? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, do you think these are six and six amenities? They're like, what do you think we owe you if you did get 10 win seasons? Like, <laughs> you want to own the state of California? Do you want to be the president of the United States? Because, like, we can't get literally, literally, and it's like, dude, I understand. It's like, you, you're trying to, like, you know, the media is going to come at you with everything they got. You got to try to like, you know, weather the blows and, and roll with them. But like, that was the worst answer you could have given. That was like so bad. I Dude, you, you were given, I think it was one of the highest contracts in college football history. I think it is. And you were given arguably one of the greatest players in college football history. And you got seven wins in the worst power five conference. Well, te- technically not the worst. Yeah, uh, yeah, ACC. Yeah, is the worst. yeah, yeah. you could have a you could have a thirteen and zero conference championship and not make playoffs. So yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, I just don't know what he does. And then and then the other thing is, in the next week he misses the week after that he misses the week because he has pneumonia. He missed the whole week of practice. It's like I'm not saying he didn't have pneumonia. I'm just saying. It's a really odd time that the day after you look like a little bitch on TV, you get pneumonia. By the way, by the way, what is up with the whole pneumonia wave recently? <laughs> yeah, why is that the scapegoat now? Yeah, why, what, like, can we not prove people have pneumonia? I mean, obviously, HIPAA laws, you can't prove anything. But, like, you could have just said, like, you had the flu, and it'd be like, okay. Or but COVID, not- dude, just say you have COVID. Like, that's the easiest one to say. Yeah, like just say you have COVID, but no, we're all like everyone is just now jumping on the pneumonia wave. Like, everyone what? that's having a really like sketch time with media just somehow gets pneumonia. Yeah, you know, you know who thinks who actually deserves comeback player of the year award? I'm gonna give it to pneumonia. Uh, they've really ramped up in the disease hierarchy uh, over the years. You know, they went they went through some <laughs> really low times. I mean, people didn't even like you. It used I forgot to, about it. Yeah, I forgot it about to, it. People used to be like, what's pneumonia? Now it's like, oh, you got pneumonia? Shit, brother. You might as well be dead. Yeah. I had pneumonia. I had pneumonia. You know what happened to me? I got kicked out of class because they said that wasn't a good enough excuse. Where where are your where are your excuses? Where are your excuses? That was that you know what? Clocks in the stove comeback player of the year. Pneumonia. I like that. Pneumonia. Pneumonia takes the cake. Yeah. Takes the cake. Bar none. They may have just absolutely could have stolen MVP if uh, COVID didn't have a 2022 dominance. Yeah. But regardless, shout out, uh-huh. shout out. Yeah. yeah. Let's close out this college football. We got, do you want to do a little predictions on our college football playoffs that are happening on Monday? Yes. Yeah, so as we know, the top four teams will be playing for a chance to win the national title or the, or as I like to call it, the NCAA invitational, because as we know, resume doesn't mean shit to these people. So, you have your Rose Bowl game as Michigan will take on Alabama. Michigan a minus two favorite. Yeah, give me Alabama money line. Yeah, I'm also going to take Alabama money line. Also, this is your, I think this is um the other talking point I want to bring up to you. Dude, this is on a Monday night, and they have the games at 5 p.m. and 8.45. Nobody is going to watch the second half of that Texas-Washington game. You're just asking to have less viewers. I don't understand the logic in that at all because I'm pretty sure there's no NFL on either. I so it's like, dude, why are you starting a game? A probably one of the three biggest games in college football 
outside of the other playoff game in the Natty at 9 p.m. That makes no sense. I mean, for the Rose Bowl, it is on the West Coast. So, kind of, I get it, kind of, for your diehard football fan. Like, diehards are going to watch it no matter the time. That's not really a question about Dude, that. It should, be, it should be four and eight. Those should be the two times. Yeah, well, four and four and 7.30, or yeah, four and four, eight. Four 7.30 or four and eight, yeah. But starting give a nine, because it's not going to start at 8.45. It's never happened in the history of sports. No. That 15-minute grace period is to get your advertisements in, and then you do your national. Or if the, or if the Michigan-Alabama games are all over. Yeah. I yeah. think it's very dumb. I think it's really dumb to have those games um, on those times. But I'm also going to take Alabama money line. I just don't see any way in hell Michigan beats Alabama. I really don't. I really don't. I think they're a team waiting to get exposed. I think Alabama's the best team in college football right now. Yeah. I'm not saying they're deserving to be there. But I'm saying I no, they are deserving to be there. They yeah, deserve they, to be there. Texas does not deserve to be there. Yeah. Oh, but Texas beat Alabama. But yeah, regardless of my opinions, let's just go straight the games. I'm I'm gonna take Alabama money line as well. I'll start us off in our next game. We got uh the All State Sugar Bowl, which is the one we were talking about it's too late. Uh you have number three Texas playing number two Washington. Texas is a minus four favorite. This is really weird, but I'm gonna just get it off my chest. <clears throat> I think Washington's the way better team. I think they are better actually in every single category of the game than Texas. Um, and I think Michael Penix is the it factor. Um, he was my Heisman. But, dude, for the weirdest freaking reason, I have this gut feeling telling me Texas. And I've had it this whole time. It's like it's too good to be true for Washington and Caleb DeBoer to just go in there and do what they do in two years. I don't know why. It just seems like it's too perfect. And I have this really weird feeling it's going to be Texas, Alabama, and the Natty. I am on the train that Washington, for some odd reason, is counted out for God knows why. Every time. Every time. And I think they're going to win this game outright. And I don't – like, it may be close, sure, but I, I think Washington is just going to take Texas to the woodshed, <clears throat> in my opinion. <laughs> I think I think Washington's skill skill positions are amazing. Obviously their defense can be suspect at times, but you know, I'm not completely sold on Texas outside of their one big win and they've kind of beat up on a bunch of like middle of the pack guys. And a bunch of barely wins too. Yeah. And what pissed me off even more is the people that were like like Vegas even came out and said like after Washington beat Oregon a second time, the line still would have came out that Oregon would have been favored in a third matchup. That's so like, crazy. Like, obviously, it's just, like, favoritism at this point. And I think people just – oh, I don't I don't understand it because Washington – college football doesn't make sense. You can't force sense into it. Texas beat Alabama, so Alabama should lose to Texas if they played again. However, if Alabama <laughs> – if Alabama beats Michigan – and then Alabama beats Washington after Washington beats Texas. Like the transitive property wouldn't be adding up. Yeah. But I, for some reason, I just believe Alabama is going to face Washington in the finals. And Alabama is most likely going to win. That's the just... last time they played, uh, no one's talking about this, but the, the Alamo Bowl last year was Washington, Texas. And Washington spanked them. Spanked them. Yeah. So what changed? So 
I don't know. I, dude, I'm telling you, I want Washington. I just have this re – it's one of those things where it's like I'm telling you, it's like I'm telling you Texas is going to win. I don't know why, but they're going to win. You give Kellen the board. probably going to be blitz hammered because the game's in New Orleans. If anything, that's the reason Texas wins. Sure, he's going to be so loose, not nervous at all at play calling, and they're just going to fly because he's going to be hammered. I just know it's going to be a shootout. Whatever the over is, I'd probably be willing to bet on the over. I just, I just closed it. Let me check. What do you think? What do you think it's at? I'm going to guess like 66. 67. Or like, or honestly, maybe even lower, probably around like 56. 63 and a half. 63 and a half. I'd take the over on that. High power. 70, bro, 70% matchup. Uh, on according to ESPN, is 70% chance Texas wins. And what do they know? What do they know? They don't know shit, brother. You don't know no, I, I physically cannot see Alabama beating or, or Michigan beating Alabama. I cannot see it. Nope. They're 0-3 in the playoff for a reason. Couldn't even beat TCU last year. Just saying. I don't know. But uh, you want to just wrap up with that, and we'll just do an MMA pod another time? Yeah, might as well. Do Wait, we have... Before we wrap up, since we're not doing a draft, I want to do that question that I asked you before the pod. Okay. Just to finish this off. I saw TikTok. I want to give my credits to where credit is due um, because I don't want us to look like we're bad guys. Um, which one? Is it? Dang, dude, I unliked it. It fucked. Oh, it sucks. No credit. Sorry, buddy. All right. Well, I saw it on TikTok. I um, I hope I find it again. Um, it oh, it sucks. I'm sorry, guys. I found it on TikTok, and they were saying, "Would you rather be the highest paid player in that sport, or be on the best team that constantly wins championships in that sport?" The way I look at it is like. My mind is telling me no, but my, but body, my body, my body's my body the Like the inner kid in me is like rings, baby. But the 24 year old that sits here is like, you better give me that Mac contract, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're, uh, in that TikTok that I freaking forgot. Um, their comparison was Carmelo Anthony. They're like, Carmelo could have went to Miami and won more rings. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to go back to New York. We're going to suck, but I'm going to make a bag. And that's what he did. I would I would do it 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, me too. Give me the bag. Yeah, give me the bag. Because you'll be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you you could you could still be – hey, let me put it this way. Allen Iverson. Kyrie, Kyrie was left off the NBA's top 75 list. You know who wasn't? Dane. Dame, Dame don't give a damn about no ring. Dame, Dame, ain't, Dame ain't never run from the grind. Now he's in Portland. And he can rap. And he can rap. Well, that's on the Bucks. But yeah, now now he's actually chasing the the rings. But yeah, now he now he he see he earned the bag and now he can chase yeah, rings. Yeah, yeah, I like me. that. I like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, let's be honest. I think everyone and their mom is going for the money. Um. Uh, there was there was a player talking about on ESPN the other day that was like, 
we could sit here and say, you know, guys want to play on the best teams, this and that, and they do, but they want the money the most. Like you want to be able to play, you want to be able to make enough money playing your sport that you can do whatever the hell you also want in your life. You don't want to have to ever worry about making another income. And that's, that's how it is. Yeah. I would way rather fight in the PFL or Bellator and be the highest paid fighter there than be a average pay fighter with the belt in the UFC. Yeah. By the way, and Joe Rogan said that uh, on the, when he was talking to Bo Nickel, he was like, he was just saying like, the UFC is like the NFL. He's like, yeah, you could be considered like the best player and like the CFL or the XFL, but he's like, but it's still not the NFL. And then like for me, as I'm sitting there listening to that, I'm like, dude, I don't give a damn. Be like, who cares? Who cares, brother? Who cares? Send location. Give me money. And the thing about martial arts in particular is if you're a, a major organization world champion, you get a lot. You're you're respected as a world champion. Now, they may not be like, oh, you're the best. Like Johnny Eblen, it, it, I think he's the best middleweight in the world right now for the Bellator middleweight champion. Yeah, they're, they're not going to be like, there's going to be arguments like, well, Sean's better because Sean's the UFC champion. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Guys in the UFC, they still respect Johnny Eblen as a world champion. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, dude, if you're a freaking world champion and you're making a lot of money, who gives a shit if you're in the UFC? Demetrius Johnson is the greatest flyweight fighter that will ever grace this earth. And he's making a bag in Asia. Yeah. And you think he cares if American people are watching him fight? No. Not at all. And they are. We are. We are watching him. Yeah, we still watch him. Because guess what? If you're that good, people will watch. People same thing will with, watch. Same thing with that uh, PFL fighter who got the knockout eight seconds in Paris where he was like, Jordan! Yeah. He's, He's the glory kickboxing guy. Yeah, like, dog. Cedric Dubombe or something like that. Yeah, his name is literally Dubom. Yeah. Dude, speaking on that, real quick, real before we finish pod, have you been seeing all the memes about Nico, uh, the quarterback at, at uh, Tennessee? No. His last name is like, Ama Amaliva or something like that. And they're like, there's no way Tennessee recruited this kid and thought he'd stay all three years. His last name is like Nico Amaliva or something like that. Oh, Amaliva. Yeah, Zach, any uh, final words or anything? Final words. I got bit by a mosquito, I think. That was weird. Yes, I do have some final words for us. Not every man's journey starts the same. Shannon Sharp had a great point where he made where he said, I will never judge a man by where he's standing because I don't know where he's come from. We have all come from different walks of lives. There are currently five or six fighters within the UFC that didn't even start training till they were 25 years old. I'm pretty sure Jared Cannonier didn't start training in MMA until he was 28 years old. Francis Naganu lived in sand. Francis Naganu lived in sand. Alex Pereira was sitting in a bar and had no prior kickboxing training until he was 22. Two-time glory champion. Two-time UFC world champion. Will probably go down as one of the greatest just combat Definitely sport. the greatest run. Of, if we were a new fighter of the year, I'm giving it to Alex Pereira. Yeah, we did skip. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. We did. Well, we're gonna do MMA another time, but I, that's what I would do for that probably. Or Sean Strickland. I mean, I would give it to Pereira just because he's 
one and two weight classes. Sean didn't lose this year. This is true. We watched Pereira get baptized in Miami. Live. Yeah. We watched that live. Yeah, good quote. I'm going to end on a quote that Coach Daner always says. I'll call him Coach Daner. Daner always says a practice. Um, not everyone who believes wins, but everyone who wins believes. So never stop believing in yourself. Fair enough.